What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Elephant Podcast. What is happening, all you woods people? Apparently, you know, the woods can be many things, all right? It ain't just the tall trees. Well, many things, too. But it's all those (laughs) places that deer can live. And you know what? First Light Gear will get you covered in all those places, right? Brought to you by First Light Gear. Cover you like a studio light. That's right. Doing your first video podcast. All the lights. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time we videoed the podcast, guys. And, Mm -hmm. uh, well, is it not? Mm -mm. We did a camo breakdown one time. Oh, yeah. That's we didn't true. have a whole lot of first light at the time. We did not. No, no, no. 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 We were broke down. I had a little bit, though. <laughs> I had a little bit. So uh, this is the um, first time in a while, at least, and uh, I'm uncomfortable. So uh, it should you? make for a great podcast. Do you need me to take over? Yeah, do it. Okay. Now, so what we're going to talk about today is uh, a subject that's kind of near and dear to what we do. Uh, generally speaking, this is what we love to do, and it's finding new places to hunt. We're going to talk about how to scout, scout for them, like map scout, right? Mm-hmm. And then how to hunt them. Um, and we're going to throw out a bunch of scenarios and ideas like that you might, you might encounter or that we have encountered or that we could expect to encounter. Um, if you have any thoughts or ideas about places you'd like to see us uh, talk about more specifically in the future, you can definitely comment below on the video or send us an, a, a DM on Instagram or something like that, an email as well through the website. So anyway, there's some, uh, there's some of that going on. You know, we just, we just ran through our first leg of the buck truck. Uh, many of you have been asking uh, where it is this week and what is happening is we're moving some of these videos. It's parked outside. <laughs> we parked it outside. Uh, no, it's parked uh, right now. Currently, the first five, five episodes are parked on 
uh, Meat Eaters YouTube channel. Ooh, I see what you did there. And then the other ones are parked uh, in the hard drives here, uh, right here. You, if you could see this uh, on the video, <laughs> you can't. There's about 5,000 hard drives here. Um, that's where those are parked. And they're going to end up on the Meat Eater channel. Uh, at some point, but I think that's going to be more towards like September, more towards hunting season. So we're we're kind of holding off for a little bit and letting some people get their fix of, uh, you know, I mean, in case if you got a bunch of mountain lion loins hanging around in your <laughs> freezer, now you know what to do with them, you know. <clears throat> so until until buck truck, uh, you'll be probably doing some more cooking and stuff. And but so all of this that we're about to talk about today is essentially what we do before the buck truck takes off, like months beforehand, pretty right. much, yeah. you know, like pretty much from right now, <clears throat> even earlier than in the year than this, I honestly, most of the time earlier in the year than this, we start establishing places we would like to go hunting and figuring out all the logistics behind that. And, you know, there's going to be stuff like where you stay and all that stuff that matters too, but we're really going to focus on how to find the hunting stuff, right? How to find the deer and, and um, what that looks like. So, Tyler, in general, this might even be something you don't have written down in the notes. So even wider than this, okay, you're the you're the best at this. Mm-mm. Uh, how do you decide you want to go hunt a place? For me personally, I'm trying to go shoot a big deer. Mm-hmm. That's what I like doing. Well, yes. I'm not By the way, disagree we with cook you, these so. things. We cook these oh things. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> I know that we Are like big ones, but we cook them, too. Yeah. Just so you know. Uh, well, big deer means more meat. That's exactly that's right. That's exactly right. That, I mean, necros. That's Let's right. Go. The necros. Uh, you also have, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to hunt a new state every year goal. Yeah. And you still are on that, right? Um, did, did you violate I don't think I did year? last year. That was the first year in a while. Um, well, you hunted a new state for, for deer, just not whitetail last year. You hunted Colorado for deer. Well, I hunted Colorado in 21. Killed a whitetail there. Headgummit. <clears throat> I know. It's starting to get tough. Because yeah. not that there's not a lot of states left, but there's, uh, you know, if you if you think about it, if you go out east, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I don't necessarily want to just go get in the mix with a bunch of dudes. You know what I mean? Um, and so I don't know. The, the east thing isn't super – it's not really on my radar as much. I, I want to do it. I, I would like to. Um, but, you know, there's a, there's a lot of variables there. So I haven't been out east. Um, but and, and then so as far as like north goes, I got to go to Canada about near at this point to hit a new state. Mm-hmm. So and I, I've tried. I've tried to draw some tags. I wanted to go to Montana this year. Of course, that's getting real hard to draw these days. So I didn't didn't get a tag there. Um, but I'm definitely looking at, uh, like I said, places that maybe I can uh, have a little space. And I don't have to be fighting against the fellow hunter as much as I am just fighting against the deer and maybe the terrain and some of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to shoot big deer, but at the same time, I love shooting a 115 in a cool place, man. Mm-hmm. You know, So you're so. looking for places <clears throat> a lot of times that don't have as much hunter pressure. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll just kind of leave it at that. And that's kind of hard to determine sometimes until you go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know you said big deer. Um, do you find that those big deer line up in places where there are large quantities of deer too, or are those inverse functions or how does that work out? I personally think that, uh, there's two factors. There's two ways that you can get big deer. One is in like a low density area. Uh, if there's also just, it's remote and there's not hunters there, you'll get big deer because of age. And then I think personally that also where there are like, 
very big numbers, large numbers of deer, you'll have deer that, I mean, you know, in seven billion people on earth, there's a shack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, if there's there only one, yeah, <laughs> it can't <laughs> but, be replicated. You know, there's five dudes in this room and none of us are even close. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have a big enough number of animals, there's going to be like deer that are just going to weigh 250 pounds and going to have more points on their head, mm-hmm. you know, than, than the rest of them normally do, even at like three years old. So those are kind of my, my thoughts. Like if you go to Iowa, there's going to be some of the biggest deer in the world, but there's also just deer everywhere. There's mm-hmm. so many, you know, and those are two things that kind of line up, which is, you know, because they limit hunting pressure. I but think it's is a very thing. specific area too of the Mississippi plain as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of factors going on there. You can go to a place like, uh, <clears throat> You know, I don't know. Let's just say Central Texas. There's probably more deer per acre Mm -hmm. than Iowa. And you're not going to find anywhere near body size or antler size. No. Uh, So it's like there's a lot of things that line up there. You know, often I look at it where, you know, high population densities usually mean smaller animals. And the further south you go also means smaller animals. So I'm trying to reach up north a little bit and and find bigger. But you get animals. to you get to the brush country and things can change. Yeah, you know? there's anomalies. It, to it that really, for sure. it really mostly I think comes down to how much food is on the landscape. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like in that hill country area, there's probably just not like a ton of food <clears throat> during certain times of the year um, outside of corn feeders and some of the other things that are being fed down there. So, I mean, there's enough for them to eat, but it's not like, it's not the type of food that they need to grow big. And mm-hmm. also, like you said, south, but, you know, I know people that hunt way down south on the border, right? And they've got 250 pound deer down there, mm-hmm. but they're feeding them like high, high protein stuff as supplement. So, you know, if you're looking at going to travel, you're looking at hunting a public track or maybe, you know, getting a lease, but you're not, probably not hunting at a place that's been having cotton seed feeders for 10 years now mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's going to be a little bit more different than what we're talking about here so how much do you enjoy <clears throat> a challenge challenge whenever you go on these trips um i don't enjoy it much so, actually yeah here's the thing is you want to be a novel astute individual and say i like a good challenge mm-hmm. right because we're told that like it builds character or something yeah well at the same time I think it's, the challenge is making fun. 400 bucks to go spend on a deer tag and then <laughs> another couple hundred in gas. And <laughs> figuring out how much gas is going to yeah. cost because you're having to do new calculations every day, right? Because <laughs> price increase and Groceries, inflation. man. I mean, you can buy two boxes of cereal and so, a gallon of milk and walk out of there and break 100 on it, you know what well, I mean? That's kind of our our thoughts. I like to go shoot deer too, yeah. right? So, But if you're, if you're like, say, new to this, um, how much emphasis should you be trying to, to put on? I want a challenging experience. Uh, man, it, it really is like, what, what do you want? But don't listen. I mean, don't listen to the guys that are always trying to say, you know, how hard their deer are and that they, they love a challenge and, and kind of beat their chest about it. Mm-hmm. These guys get to hunt a lot. A lot of them do. Right. So, I mean, as you, as you get to do that or as you kill a bunch of deer, mm-hmm. A challenge maybe is what you need. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, well, I, I think you can find challenges within the hunt. Sure. But also set yourself up for success. Yeah. I mean, it's very silly, especially if you're a married guy, to say, babe, 
I'm going to sacrifice time away from the family. I'm going to sacrifice some income and maybe put myself in danger to be out on the road. And you know what? I'm going to make sure it's a uh, hard thing to do. That way I don't come home. Yeah, with I'm going to go to the Wisconsin Big Woods. Yeah, and just exactly. Make sure I see three deer the whole yeah, trip. That's you right. Know? You know, and so <laughs> there's this concept of, hey, let's go break it in a little bit. Go somewhere there's a lot of deer and shoot something. That way, three years from now, you don't come home f- with something and it's like, ah, oh, you know, you got one last year mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, like there's a, there's this, um, there's a happy medium there to over to yeah. overuse something. I mean, and honestly, like, you know, if you want to create challenges for yourself, you can do that locally a lot of times, right? Yeah. But when you go to travel, like. I mean, it's, I, I can promise you, I wanted to, when I travel, I wanted to kill a deer. I guarantee and, you. And come home and be like, yeah, I did what I went out or set out to do, you know? How hard is it to kill a deer with a bow, Tyler? It's hard enough. It's almost like it's a challenge. It, it is. It's a challenge. How about that? And that's the thing. Like you, <laughs> you know, and that's one thing you get and you have to think about when you go mm-hmm. to do this stuff. But like, if you want uh, more possibilities, then, then, hunting with a bow gives you those possibilities because they have extended seasons because it's a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, dude, we said this a bunch in the last couple of years, but, dude, if we had rifles on some of these hunts, I mean, so many big deer get just shot. might do it this year because, you know, it's almost at this point <clears throat> in time, it's inverse. I haven't shot a deer with a bow in a while, so, I mean, a gun in a while, so it's going to be kind of a challenging thing to do just mm-hmm. to pick up a different weapon, you yeah. know? But if you do want to open up opportunities for yourself a lot of these states have um ample opportunity with archery equipment but are limited with firearms you know some states don't even allow rifle hunting at all so you're you might even be looking at getting a new type of weapon shotgun or muzzleloader or something to go try to hunt some states so mm-hmm. you know it's something to think about as well and i don't know um if if a guy is establishing goals and and that sort of stuff uh, i guess they should think about how much it means to them and what method to take too, right? Yeah. Like if you want to go make sure you kill a deer, uh, well, if you can go somewhere you can carry a rifle, you got a real good chance. Guarantee you, mm-hmm. man. I mean shooting a deer. I just I just think about first of all, uh if you bump a deer with a bow and he runs out forty it runs another forty yards and turns around and looks at you, there's a high chance that deer is sixty plus at mm-hmm. that time which is just not a shot most guys are taking, and it's a hard shot period for everybody, yes. right? The deer's jumping. Especially when they're on alert. Yeah. You know, it's a lot different. You see a, a big-bodied animal at 75, and it's as close as you can get, and yeah. if you feel good about it, then, you know, that's your own prerogative. But you bump a deer that's at 20, he runs 50, and all of a sudden he's at 70, and he's looking at you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good scenario. Or – in a different scenario, you might have a gun. You bump him at seventy. He runs to one fifty, and while you're putting, while he's doing that, you're putting your gun on your bipod. And when he stops at one fifty, you just smoke him. Yeah. And guess what? He didn't jump the string one bit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That's so right. it's a, it's a, it's just such a. Not to say don't do it, or not to make a light of like a situation. It's still deer hunting, and it's still fun, and it's still somewhat challenging. But like. The bow thing makes it pretty exponential. So, you know. Well, all that, there's a lot of challenge involved in, in the stuff that we're not covering as much, too, of the travel, yep. of yeah, the a big, finding a place to hunt, mm-hmm. you know, finding animals that exist, which we will kind of cover a little <clears> bit. But, like, dude, if you've never been out of state, I don't care if they give you a nuke. Like, it, you might have a little bit of a hard time 
figuring out a new area to hunt, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's, it, it is not easy to like cross that boundary when it comes to, to hunting, you know, yeah. like in fact, I'll, I'll talk about it cause he's their good friend and, and he wouldn't mind at all. But our buddy, Brian Bostick traveled out of state for the first time this year in Nebraska and, and had some good hunts. Uh, but it was not easy for him, yeah. you know, and, and because of a lot of extra factors too, he had some family stuff he had to leave early to mm-hmm. go address. And that's the thing you run <clears> into <throat> when you go out of state to hunt. It's a lot different than running up the road to your cousin's 40 acres that he lets you hunt, you know, and you'll be home for dinner. You know, it's just yeah. a completely different scenario. Well, and, and you know, that's the, th- I went to Michigan this past week and just kind of on a little short vacation and, Dude, we walked a trail, and I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. I mean, <laughs> from a from a Florida perspective, yes. you know. So bring up Brian I mean, again. He was talking about it the other day. So that sun hemp or whatever it is grows wild up mm-hmm. in that country. Well, he thought he found a field of marijuana and was like, we're about to get shot out here <laughs> yeah. by whoever's growing this, well, you know. And, you know, he's calling cedars pine, so we're having trouble <laughs> helping him on the maps at this point, you know. I don't see any pines on this map, yeah. sir. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the thing is is the, the flora. A lot of guys, and I've been – I got asked about this on a live video recently on Instagram, but I think guys don't put enough emphasis, and you don't hear anybody um, – you know, talking about this on podcasts, I don't feel like it or videos or whatever. I don't hear guys putting enough emphasis on the flora in certain areas and what that knowledge base can do for you. You and I, I mean, it's, it's more than just like finding deer or food for deer or whatever, or cover or whatever it, it, you and I can, can, uh, you can like see a deer glassing and be like, you know, over there by that blue stem and I'll know, what the blue stem looks like that time of year mm-hmm. and to look for it, uh, you know, three quarters of a mile over there yep. or whatever. And so we, we can even help each other quickly locate deer by the floor that we both kind of know, you know, we ran into that with Garrett the other day, whenever he's here yep. hunting pigs, I was telling him, you know, we had stalked up on some hogs and I was not guiding him. He was plenty capable, but I was with him and we were trying to coordinate the camera stuff. And I was like, Hey, shoot the one that's going to come out by that palmetto which is a mispronunciation of the actual thing. Anyways. <laughs> it's kind of like Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Um, so, uh, but um, he didn't know what a palmetto was, but he's a woodsman and figured it out pretty quick. He's like, mm. oh, he means that pokey green thing that looks different than yeah. everything else, right? So, like, And that's where Humpty Dumpty was created, <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, y'all see uh. that? Was it? Is that uh, February? That'd be later, yeah, yeah closer some, to the new year. Sometime in the winter of 2024, cool I imagine. Video. Yeah, there'll be a cool video out of some hog hunting and stuff. <clears throat> um, uh, but, yeah, it, it makes a huge difference to be able to identify plants. And i tell you the truth, uh, there's just some, like, uh, learning curve to this stuff. Like, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. So it's pretty <clears throat> hard to travel to Wyoming and be like, oh, that right there is a – a Western honey whip or whatever it yep. is, you know, like you don't know what these plants are until you get out there and experience it a little bit. But at the same time, if you spend time locally concentrating on your local deer herd, seeing what they eat, maybe figure out some families of plants, you know, like you can, you can recognize, Oh, that's an Asteraceae. That's a form mm-hmm. of some sort that the deer will eat. Oh, that's some type of cool season grass that they're not going to touch. You mm-hmm. know, like there's all this kind of stuff. In fact, this past year in Nebraska, you can see in the buck truck, we, um, are hunting deer around some yuccas 
and they're not the same kind that we have here, but they have pods just like yuccas do, and we know that they're yuccas. At the same time, I don't know if this may video, but Eric and I had a discussion about what alfalfa looks like and how it's actually kind of like a clover, and you get down and look at it, it's not a grass. It's got these petals or these leaves on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like, understanding what clover <clears throat> looks like when you see it, it might not be the air leaf you're used to at home, but you can know, hey, that's something that they eat. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, and that, that just whole, the whole thing, even, you know, obviously the trees are something that a lot of people like to at least know reds and whites, right? It's real basic, mm -hmm. but, I mean, we, we talk about the different, types of oaks that drop different types of acorns that are set up. I mean, that's, that's one of the only ways, you know, or one of the, there's not like a ton of ways in North Texas or East Texas to, to figure out how to kill a deer at any particular point of the season. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ways that we started with this whole thing was like trying to understand how, when they're eating these acorns and stuff. But, you know, those, those it's important. And I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. So it's something to learn. It's a good you point. know, when you travel, um, another thing you kind of got to be, keep in mind is like, you want to be realistic. And what, what are your, I mean, how do you set up expectations when you get ready to travel? Um, for me, I like to dream. So first off, I try to look at the biggest deer I can find on the internet that came from the area. Mm -hmm. And that gets me really excited. Yep. And then I uh, start to compare that to my personal wants and needs. And uh, there's sometimes when I'm like, dude, I would just love to shoot a deer here. Like, it would be a lot of fun to go shoot a deer. And I was that way a few years back uh, in South Dakota. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that opens up a lot of targets for you whenever you feel that way. And then, you know, you might be a guy who's like, you know, I've killed some really nice deer at home. And uh, I, I really um, don't want to go out and shoot a younger buck. I want to shoot an older buck. That's fine, too. But you have to come to the realization that those are a lot rarer, especially on states that usually allow – a good amount of out-of-state hunters. You know, mm -hmm. that public ground is not going to have, often not going to have um, a great age structure, mm -hmm. you know. So you might need to look at that as well. Um, and then I also, and this is completely against what you may have heard, but you probably heard me say it, I will shoot something different on the last day than I will on the first oh, day. Oh, yeah. Absolutely yeah. will I do that. You know, like... It's just, it's it's a little foolish to just hold yourself to one standard the whole time. In my opinion, I'm not calling you fools if you do this, but, um, like, things change. You have new experiences. There's new uh, variables that come in. You know, maybe all of a sudden you realize there was a huge EHD outbreak and you didn't know about it. So all of a sudden, all the mature bucks are gone. Or, you know, maybe that's not a great scenario. Maybe... Uh, you realize the hunting pressure is a lot worse, and there's been people in there hunting already, and or maybe you get COVID, and yeah. you're just happy to shoot a deer when, when you really were trying to hunt a big deer. You know that happened to me a couple years back, mm -hmm. and I shot a deer, and I was just elated yeah. about it. Right, so there's all these things that kind of well, come into play. And on, if you set yourself up for uh, like, hey, I just want to shoot a deer that looks like this, say, you know, an mm -hmm. eight point, right? Remember when we were hunting, uh, when we produced the video called Nameless? Mm -hmm. Remember what I was wanting to shoot during that trip? Yeah. And I was like, Todd, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was but like, man, if I could just see like a two-year-old That was interesting. Uh, and I'm glad you <clears throat> listened to me on that. But at the same time, maybe I shouldn't have interfered with you uh, because that you were the hunter and that was your decision and, yeah. and like, but you were like excited about it well the thing well, is maybe like, you, were, you might have been like man should i shoot that i don't really remember for sure
Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know, super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. But I don't. I probably asked. Uh, I tend tend to do ask hard questions like that. Um, but dude, when I shot Nameless, I nearly I nearly jumped out of the tree. I was so excited, you know. Yeah. And that's like that's what you get when you shoot one bigger than what you kind of mm-hmm. expected to kind of come away with. Which so setting yourself up for that is, it is also fun too. You lets know? you hunt a lot longer if you yep. decide you want to shoot a bigger deer. You know, um, I in South Dakota a few years back, I tried to stalk a tiny, the smallest mule deer you've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, like a point five, but he like had some antlers. He, he did. He was so little. <laughs> and uh, if I would have killed him, that'd have been like day two, and then I wouldn't have learned or or done anything mm-hmm. while I was uh, out hunting. Instead, I got to hunt to the very last day and uh, shot a big deer, 
with a really heavy arrow and fixed blade broadhead, by the way, in the shoulder, and uh, didn't learned, find him. You uh, learned about heavy That's right. Heavy arrows? I learned to not aim there. Uh, so, um, anyways, th- I think that that is something, too, that I, I probably would kind of like to address is that there's this big emphasis on learning when you go and do stuff like, oh, I just want to learn about the animals and this and that and the other. How do you feel about that? Uh, I... Honesty time. I love learning. <laughs> I do too. I love learning, man. But um, I, I think that I love figuring it out. It's a means to an end. That's. I mean, I'm yeah. not. Listen, you can walk around all summer for about near free on <laughs> all kinds of public <laughs> lands and just see stuff. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, like the coolest stuff. But. You can't kill things. You can't hunt on those places most of the time. If you're out there with a $400 tag in your pocket, mm-hmm. I ain't just trying to learn. Mm-hmm. I ain't just trying to side seat. I'm or side seat. See, see things. <laughs> Sight see. <clears throat> Man, yeah. I hope y'all can understand what I'm saying right now. <laughs> they can read your lips because they got I'm the cameras to, that's now. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, to uh, get something to take home with me in my truck, not mm. just a memory, not just a sight. <clears throat> yeah. I think there is a lot of value to learning about the deer and how to kill them, you yeah. know, like, and it's okay if you go, you know, for instance, you've been the guinea pig a few times for some of these out of state hunts, you'll go somewhere and then talk me into going the next year and one or both of us will we kill still a deer. Fail. Yeah. Or we'll, we'll <laughs> fail. Yeah. No, um, but have a lot of fun. But the, 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 the bigger point is that like, sometimes it does take a few years to get it figured out to where you can go kill. But mm-hmm. now, uh, there's some states that, like, I still don't know <laughs> if we'd kill something if we went back. And then there's some states where it's like, all right, we're going on year two, three, four here, and one of us is coming home with a mature deer. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I feel good about and that. And it's not necessarily, like, a spot. Mm-hmm. It's, and sometimes there there are spots, but, like, it's not necessarily a spot as much as it is a um, – like we figured out they do this in this country because mm-hmm. of this flora and this agriculture mm-hmm. or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So like some way that these deer really like deer, are deer. And so that helps us across States to know that deer are going to do these certain things. But in some places, like they're going to go this way or they're going to eat these yucca pods or they're going to, you know, they need this water in this country, particularly more than they do in other places, or they will eat Milo here where they've got plenty of other stuff in this other state. So they don't really eat Milo, you know, Mm -hmm. or hang out there. So just some of those different things that you, you learn along the way that help you in that state later on, uh, not necessarily because of a spot, but because of certain things that you learn. It's like the turkey hunt we went on in New Mexico. Like we started to learn things about what those birds were, what they were, where they were going to be roosted, and what they were doing during the day, and some of those things that we didn't quite know before we ended up hunting that country. You know, mm-hmm. so um, definitely. You know, as far as your expectations go, you have to understand all these things we've talked about with like, do you want a particular size of deer or does size matter much to you? Or do you want an experience? Do you want to hunt, you know, a challenging hunt where you're hunting, you know, in the mountains backpack style? Because that's cool, too. You know, you might want to backpack hunt a whitetail, which doesn't get done very much. That would be cool, too. You know, you may just want to experience open country and not see too many guys or whatever Mm -hmm. so you're hunting early season in a state and you can probably expect that you might not shoot a deer but you might not see very many people because they're going to wait till the rut to hunt that stuff or gun season or whatever so 
once you once you get all these expectations figured out, the one you know you've mentioned this, but one of the things you need to really understand and expect is that a big deer, like a three year old plus deer, is going to be a hard thing to kill. They're hard to find. There's not a lot of them. Um, and then you know once you once you have come to terms with like these are the things I want out of a hunt. Uh, you may do some research. You may find a region or a state that you want to hunt. And then what do you consider after that? And how, how do you narrow it down to an actual place that you're going? Well, I've probably already <laughs> pulled out the Onyx maps before this, mm-hmm. but I think that this is really where you're going to spend a majority amount of effort on a mapping system. And you're going to be looking at like what the actual public land availability is in certain regions of the state. There's multiple layers you can look at that on Onyx, you know, and different types, BLM, state, national forest, all that, you know, stuff to consider. And then resources, you can do that as well. You can look at what the ag crops are in the general area. You can look at water, things like that. And you got to have ground to hunt. So that's probably the next big point of, like, if you find a region of a state, let's say, you know, split a state into quadrants, what's a... Uh, Iowa, they don't let you go there very often, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's certain <clears throat> units or whatever. Let's just divide a state like Iowa into quadrants. Mm-hmm. Say you decided you want to hunt the southwest portion of Iowa, which would be a terrible choice. I'd never go there. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> you, you'd have to then look in the southwest area and say, okay, what, what portion of that is there actually amount of ground an amount of ground that I can hunt, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, we've looked at it in some other States too. Um, and you're like, Oh, this looks pretty good. And then you get to look at it and you're like, Oh, you can't access state ground in this state. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're telling me that all this public ground right here actually is County uh, owned and you can't go to it. Great. So like things can start running out quick. You don't want to plan a trip to a state, which we've done it recently uh, where one wind change. <laughs> can make it to where you mm-hmm. don't have a place to hunt mm-hmm. because it's an hour and a half to another parcel and you don't know if there's not 13 people there yep you know so it, it'd be real easy to waste your time on a spot because you have high hopes for it but there not be a practical amount of land to hunt there yeah i think another thing that i would consider uh when i go to kind of narrow down a region or whatever of a state, um, I would, I would think about how I like to hunt deer or how, like what, how I hunt deer well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can kind of like some guys, you know, they, they understand early season pretty well because maybe that's the way they grew up hunting was that style of kind of bed to feed stuff. Uh, some guys might hunt the late season better because they understand how, bucks relate to food late season um particularly in like the time of day they might come out or what conditions might make them Mm -hmm. come out in daylight and late season and stuff and some guys you know a lot of guys just like the rut and i don't blame them at all because that's my favorite time too but um you know in the rut there's specific ways you'd want to hunt too and so you got to kind of consider these things like when is my hunt going to be and what what portion of this state, if I have options throughout the state, it's not just like a region-specific tag or whatever, um, w- what portion of this state kind of lends itself to that? Like, am I going to, uh, you know, am I going to want to hunt deer moving around corn in the, in like during the rut or pre-rut or something like that? Uh, if that's the case, then maybe you want to look for uh, a bunch of bean fields on the Onyx uh 
crop layer because to, uh, you, at least in the Midwest, a lot of times you get a year-over-year year rotation that's corn, beans, corn, beans, corn, beans. So everything that was in beans last year will be likely corn this year. So that could help you uh, a starting point for, you know, if that's what you like to hunt. If you like to hunt late-season beans, then maybe you'd look for a place that had a lot of corn last year near it, you know, and you can hunt deer moving to those beans uh, in the evenings uh, late season or whatever. So just to kind of think about those things, that's a good way to narrow down. Also, if you like, you know, if you, if you grew up like we do hunting creeks in East Texas or whatever, you might want to be on a creek. So, uh, look for a place that has either a river system, uh, nearby or a bunch of creeks that flow into that river system or whatever. Um, it's a good thing to look for, uh, no matter where in you're general, in the country. Yeah. yeah, in general, for sure. That's yeah. good, good country. And you're going to have more public around that country mm-hmm. a lot of times too. So yeah, some of the things you might think about there, uh, thinking about limited resources too. Mm-hmm. I, if we're talking about kind of moving into your, yep. your points there, um, if you go to Mississippi, you probably aren't going, now you may, but you probably aren't going to be like, you know what? I'm going to find a water hole because there's not a lot of water around here. The biggest river in the country, the biggest, second biggest river in the Western Hemisphere mm-hmm. uh, touches that state, which means there's a lot of drainages from it, which means there's a lot of water, and it's actually named for that river, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you might need to just decide what the limited resource is in the area that you're going to. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if you try to go to Iowa and you say, I'm going to hunt corn because there. <laughs> <laughs> it can get hard. We've been there, done yeah, that, right? Because there's a cornfield here, and there's a cornfield a quarter mile there, and there's one a half mile over there. Everywhere. And so, yeah, you. I mean, limited resources are, are important. We mm-hmm. we had a, we actually met a guy on a piece of public in Texas and talked to him for a while, and it kind of, you know, it's not that we hadn't thought about this before, maybe, but like he he kind of reiterated last last year that you know he was hunting the way he was hunting was based off limited resource, um, and it was just like kind of one of those things where we're like you know what we hadn't thought about this in a while but this is definitely a point um but the the i mean you definitely want to consider those things because uh when there is a resource that that deer need and so like for instance in your mississippi example uh because of the flood like if you're near floodplain stuff you may not have cover Mm -hmm. because when it floods there for long periods of time, it doesn't give greenbrier and stuff an an opportunity to grow up or forbs or, you know, giant ragweed or whatever. So there's not a lot of cover potentially. So if you can find like, you know, this, this is something we had in Arkansas last year, but you find these little ridges that are like a few feet taller than the rest of the stuff around them and they're just dry enough that it holds cover and little oak trees grow up and create little brushy spots and stuff that that would be something you know that you would look for in mississippi not water right Mm -hmm. you know my most favorite limited resource to hunt is does yeah uh and though then you have to hunt where the does will be but you know you think about that it doesn't always have to be uh food water or shelter you know like Bucks are going to go where the does are, and honestly, it's going to start like mid-October on even, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on where you're at in the country, it can be heavier or lighter, but like, dude, it's a lot of fun to go to these states when there's some sort of a rut going on where, um, you know, maybe it's, here's what happens, guys, if you're looking at states that have low deer densities, it's not that there are areas uh, where the deer are literally one deer per hundred acres, 
there will be a thousand acres and all the deer are living in 10 to 15 acres. Mm-hmm. So what you end up happening, what ends up happening is bucks jump from pocket to pocket and it makes it to where the bucks are super visible yeah. and fun to hunt. So just a little interjection there. Like if you can find a place where uh, the does or the limited resources, man, it's a good way to find bucks on their feet. Yeah. And so in those, in that scenario, a couple of things you might want to look for would be a pinch point or some sort of travel route mm-hmm. or bottleneck or however you want to call it. But like something that you can ambush a buck in without messing up the doe pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. So on one side or the other of a certain doe family group, it's bedding in an area or mm-hmm. hanging out in an area, or even just, you can flat out just be in between by a half mile, a couple of doe bedding areas and, and just, you won't see many deer, but you're going to, you know, have a, have a shot to shoot. Yeah. Cause those bucks, especially in like open country in the rut, like they're going to follow shelter belts and stuff like that, you know? So they're going to give you, give you shots. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. Comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. At O'Reilly Auto Parts, they offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. Man, I'm always swinging through my uh, local O'Reilly Auto Parts to get stuff ranging from car parts and accessories to boat batteries. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And if you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. That way you don't have to go buy some you know super expensive thing that you need like once every five years. Just borrow it and get your refund back. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fixed, or quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. 
Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Tyler, um, how many times have acorns helped you when it comes to deer hunting? Man, that's a tough question. Give me a percentage, maybe. It might be hard to give me a number. I mean, I would say that, uh, generally speaking, it's hard to really narrow down and kill a deer off of acorns. That's how I think, too. And I think a lot of people uh, travel with the idea of going to hunt acorns uh, Mm -hmm. because it's the most uh, common natural food source that people think of uh, in the fall, right? Now, deer eat all kinds of stuff. But um, I think about Arkansas this year when you're talking about native foods um, mm-hmm. and food being a limited resource a lot of times. Um, all of a sudden, there's this huge just flood, inundation of acorns coming from the trees, mm-hmm. and they stay on the ground for a long time. You you can't figure out a way to pinpoint anything. So it's almost like you have to wipe the slate clean and say you're not going to focus on that. And I just yeah. think that it, if we're thinking about – traveling to hunt uh it might be worth mentioning that like <clears throat> deer do eat them mm-hmm. right but man it, it is just really hard to pinpoint like the tree yeah because it's never the tree no it's it's really not it's that's that's what one thing that makes it tough i think one way that we like to hunt acorns would be uh late season in east texas with like willow and swamp oaks uh or water oaks as you might call them um those are going to be really heavily uh, tannin infused and they're going to break down over the course of some time and they really uh, become a decent food source later in the season, especially for hogs, um, mm-hmm. which I know we're talking mostly deer right now, but you know, they're fun to shoot too. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to shoot another one. I'm telling you, if you're hunting, <laughs> dude, if you're hunting a willow oak or a swamp oak and it's been putting off uh, and you're in a pretty good spot in East Texas in December, I mean, there's a you got a good chance of seeing some hogs, man. Yeah. I mean, you'll see and you'll see what they root around. Wood ducks too. <laughs> They'll climb up in around there and eat. Like, young, dude, weird, man. <laughs> it is. It's but, cool to see a duck just walk around on the ground. <laughs> yeah. But you know, as far as like the native, uh, more not necessarily, I guess, native, but more like wild foods stuff, the stuff that grows up pretty naturally. I think it's important to know and to get past the oaks thing. The oaks mm-hmm. thing is just it's just general knowledge that doesn't help you much in my opinion and you it just could hear kill it. you a deer it could if man. that's your goal and you want to get like you just want to go shoot a doe or a buck or a giant buck yeah it could kill you a deer it's just not as helpful as other things no. in my opinion it's just but it's a it's a layup for guys to talk about because you're looking at a 60 foot plant mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it's easy for guys to identify mm-hmm. in the woods it's not as easy for to identify jewelweed as you're walking through the middle of a low spot in the woods mm-hmm. and understand that deer eating that you know in the summer and therefore uh you know whatever but obviously you can't hunt them in the summer but i'm just making that as an example Those smaller plants are harder to identify sometimes for guys but the thing here's the thing is you know uh you shot a the meat buck we've talked about it several times but chinese 
privet grows a berry that's like a little small blueberry and you cut his his stomach open after you when you gutted him and it was just full of those berries you know that was like that was january one Mm -hmm. so killing a buck on public in january one in texas with privet that was being the main food source probably in his gut they're gonna eat japanese honeysuckle um they're going to use that stuff, both privet and honeysuckle, as cover as well. So it's a multifaceted thing that that's also evergreen. Uh, so it's cover in January, right? Mm-hmm. These are things that are helpful to know uh, and, instead of just knowing oaks, mm-hmm. red and white. You yeah. know what I mean? Or so. knowing that after a storm comes through, it's going to blow down hackberries mm-hmm. and those deer are going to go to those treetops and eat. Yeah. You know, like there's little things like that that you can figure out and know. Now, this might be getting kind of far from the whole like how to find a place to hunt and travel to hunt them. But like, if you can put that stuff together locally, that, that brush paints a broad stroke. Mm-hmm. You can find other stuff. And it almost, there's almost like, uh, I've been doing Sudoku some whenever I'm sitting around early in the, in the waiting on deer or whatever, you know, first get there. And, uh, it's, it's kind of like you're, flexing and working out your creativity just a little mm-hmm. bit you know if you can learn how to creatively find and kill deer locally being creative on the road that's is, a good point is huge man that's a huge like point, man. look at the oklahoma buck from 2021 mm-hmm. right uh we were in there chasing deer around like you would normally with rattling antlers and stuff and just so happened to see a spot where deer were going and drinking out of a cattle trough and maybe eating algae while they were there and set up a way and found a way to kill a deer in a cattle pen, pretty much mm-hmm. eight foot up in a little tiny tree, yeah. you know, like, and I'm not boasting about this because it was uh providential as they would say, yeah. uh, in happening. Right. Cause it was just, it was crazy, but you have to, you know, you have to understand that, um, there is some level of work put into what we do as yeah. well. Right? Oh, well, I so. mean, and that, and that's like, but that's that's we're we're talking about how to travel and hunt mm-hmm. and creative creative thought is a hard thought, but it, it it like you can say you know you can do the whole chest beating and do your sit ups and run every day and this and that, but at the end of the day, we are killing deer in a pretty out of shape fashion sometimes. <laughs> By by working our minds out, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's it's not easy work. I promise you, to create a song out of midair is not always easy. Mm-hmm. To create a way to kill a deer is not uh, out of thin air is not always easy. Because it, it, if it was easy, there would be a lot of guys doing it. It's just like separating yourself by walking a mile back into the woods and trying to kill a deer, or walking eight miles back mm-hmm. in the woods trying to kill an elk. That is a hard thing to do. Not many guys are willing to do it, and you separate yourself. It's the same thing with creative thought. And it is an a, it is something that can be worked out, right? Mm-hmm. I can I can write a song so much easier right now than I could when I was twenty years old. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just plain and simple because I've done it a bunch. And you know what else helps you write songs, Tyler? Uh, Life experience. Yeah, yeah. So not to deviate from the creativity thing, but the more you do this, yeah, the better you're going to get at yeah. it. You, you know? have more things in your mind that can connect. Yeah. You have more experiences that can connect oh, I remember that time or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden, your gut instinct is not really a gut instinct. It's more of, uh, I feel this way. You don't. You maybe don't perceive it, but you know that you feel this way in your gut, so you do it, and it, it works out for you. You just don't realize that eight years ago, you were walking along 
and you something hits you and you're like, man, I saw that deer do that. And that, mm-hmm. you know, and it just all comes together because of that life experience. So, and that, that is how you travel to kill deer. Boom. That's how you do it. That's plain and simple. <laughs> there, no, but it really, it really like, um, if you go starting to travel to kill deer this year, just don't expect to kill one necessarily. I mean, go out there and try to make it happen, but don't get frustrated and quit mm-hmm. you know like you can go and do this but you just you're gonna have to pay some dues on this stuff a little bit some so uh but it, it it's it's awesome it's super rewarding and it and it is challenging in its mm-hmm. own in its own manner so uh, but you know those those are definitely some of the things that you want to consider i think we're going to talk about a few scenarios real quick and um kind of give just our basic thoughts on what we would do i just um, so before we get into scenarios, I just had a thought. Okay. I don't know where it was supposed to go, but we should have talked about it. Giving yourself ample time while you're on one of these trips yeah. is an important thing. Mm-hmm. And we, we it's it probably doesn't fit in scenarios. That's why I wanted to say it now. But um don't uh give yourself four days and expect to kill a deer. Yeah. You could. Uh I mean, you shot a deer on day two uh, more than once this year, I think. Um, shot deer on day one, hit a deer on day two. I do know that. Well, just for the quick thought here, in South Dakota, it was t- day two, morning two, no, evening two of hunting. Yeah, but we had been there three days. Yeah, but still early. Yeah, the, within the four day parameter. Sure. But, but the 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 point here is like, if you have to go figure some stuff out, give yourself some time to do it because I'm the guy to attest to that. I shoot deer on the last day often, Mm. you know, like it takes a while sometimes to figure things out. So give yourself plenty of time. And a week is, is like, it's a good, I know it's hard for a lot of dudes to Mm -hmm. do, but here's the thing. If you're taking a a vacation and you just, you can take five days and you have like eight, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To hunt there. So it's, you know, if this is what you want to do, man, give yourself that time to figure it out. And if you want to come home early, then you probably shouldn't, but do it, you know, and yeah. and then go back for another trip for five days or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I did in Iowa. We went for seven days uh, in 2019, and we just hopped around. We're trying to figure things out. We struggled. We had some close encounters. We figured stuff out in the last, like, two days. We squeezed in on this buck, messed it up on the last day uh, by the last evening by um, actually calling him in by kind of fixing our tree up and getting up the tree and stuff. And he bumped at like 30 yards. We didn't even see him until sta- you saw him standing there. I was like putting on my last jacket. Yeah, the snowman suit. Yep. And that sucker. <laughs> you needed you're that like, day too. And I was like, I look over and this deer's running off. I was like, oh my goodness. This is the one we came in. We had bedded him. The buck. Oh, it was the buck. And he was bedding in the same spot every day. Anyway, we almost killed another a seven point that night too. I passed him. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, you could have smoked him. We were in a good spot. I wanted you to shoot him back. I did too, dude. <laughs> you don't even know. I'm uh, glad you didn't. I, I am too because uh, I ended up shooting a good buck. But I had to go back. The, the point is, I went back another time, and like on the third day, I think is when I killed that. Maybe yeah, it was the third or fourth day mm-hmm. that I killed that buck. So it still took eleven days or whatever to kill a deer of, of hunting time in a new state, but. Um, you know, if you, if you leave out on a trip because it's not working out for you or whatever, and you, you do come back it, you have an advantage cause you've been there before. Mm-hmm. So it helps you to kill deer in that, you know, shorter window. Maybe but, there's a big point there too, of like, you know, if you're heading to a place you've never been before, think about taking two trips and yeah. making them a little shorter as long as it's not a huge Just drive. Don't wuss out. You know what I mean? Like don't come back early or 
may say I'm going to do two trips and then not do the second mm-hmm. trip. You well, have and to also do it. within the hunt, don't wuss out. Where I've seen guys do this, where you try real hard for three days and you're like, I'm beat. I'm just going to kind of yeah. take it easy these last two, and maybe I'll see a deer. You know, yeah. like if you're there, give it y'all. Take a nap if you need to, or whatever, yeah. and then get back after it. But I'll see this thing too, where like dudes will, you know go plan on taking a second trip and they'll get home and their wife doesn't really want them to go and they you know or got a bunch going on or whatever and they just don't do it and Mm -hmm. you're just wasting your out-of-state money at that point that's right giving that money to them departments Mm -hmm. uh free tags uh all right let's tax you said yeah the scenarios is that what that is (laughs) yeah Uh, that's it yeah yeah. i seen a rio or two this year um i didn't (laughs) thank (laughs) god see no rios uh i saw greg smoke one Oh, that video will be out on the Element Channel next spring. One of these days. Be ready for yep. that. Yep. Um, all right. Top, top scenarios is the word I was making fun of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is your vision, so you take off no. of this. Okay, perfect. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you. <laughs> okay, good. If you were going to Kentucky in the early oh, season. Oh, gosh. I didn't realize that. What, so would, you, what would you do, man? Don't uh, Try not to highlight spots too much because people absolutely hate well, when I, you do I that. Well, I can't because I've only it helps people. been to, like, Louisville, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, which is a word. The best way to say that word is to try not to say it. Well, Louisville. Um, just get a biscuit in your mouth and that's just right. say it. Oh. <laughs> uh, I would call my friend Michael Stoll because he has some hunting experience in the state, first off, yeah. would be a thing. It's always good to use your resources, people you know. Ask him where he went and don't go there because uh, <laughs> he didn't see any deer. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um, I would always think about – uh, soybeans uh-huh. because that's the thing you do in the early season in ag country is hunt near soybeans. And I'd probably try to overlay that with some public ground that's accessible near or on those soybean fields. Um, it being the east and being kind of a deer state, uh, if I wasn't a big budget guy, I probably wouldn't mess with trying to get a hold of landowners because there's a decent amount of leasing and stuff going on there. Uh, I probably just would spend my time doing something else, finding places to hunt on public ground. Or if I wanted to go there and and had a little budget, it's a state where if you can pay for some access, you can kill a big deer. Mm-hmm. You're not messing around. Mm-hmm. You're not just Soybean trying. fed. Yeah. High protein fed deer. So I would probably, uh, <clears throat> for one thing, uh, narrow it down to some of the country that's uh, – the the river type stuff. I wouldn't hunt yeah. in the hills uh, in early season, especially. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on um, that. You know, you mentioned this earlier, but there's a lot of logistics to traveling mm-hmm. that uh, you got to think about. Uh, bugs mm-hmm. this time of year in Kentucky are going to be thick. So, mm-hmm. and if you're hunting river river country, mosquitoes. Peters. So um, you know, just be prepared for that kind of stuff. Also, I would say get a hotel. Uh, yep. That would be the next thing. At least give yourself a reprieve from those bugs if you can. I mean, gosh, man, a really cheap motel is is worth a whole lot. Way better than a tent Mm -hmm. and the air conditioner. Dude, we did we did Nebraska the first year. I did Nebraska in 2019. I I camped in a tiny little two man. That's basically put your gear in here. Mosquitoes were so bad. I've never been to a place the mosquitoes were worse. And I've been in Nebraska, and it wasn't that bad again. It was just a bad, bad year. Lots mm-hmm. of rain that year. And um, I had – and I wasn't getting showers, and it was just a beat down, mm-hmm. dude. And I had two ticks, like, in my sock line the last day uh, when I went to go. And one of them, one of the things, I pulled it out for, like – I'm talking – 
it was like nearly a half year that thing hurt. Mm, that's not good. <laughs> it was bad, dude. Yucky. So it was just, you know, it was it was rough. I think if I'd have had a hotel, it'd be a lot better. But, um, you know, just logistically, we, we should go after these scenarios. We should maybe talk just real briefly about some of the things that we kind of tend to think about that are not just the hunting aspect, but the things that Outside make the hunt the go box. better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All um, right, Tyler, <clears throat> I'm going to play the reverse Uno on you here. Mm. October in North Dakota. Mm. What's your scenario for that hunt? I think, um, <clears throat> you know, it, you you can look at both. There's pretty much you look at the east side and the west side of the state, and they're kind of uh, a little bit different. Um, and those are that's kind of how you would separate. The that's state, how a lot of states in the U.S. are, not just the western <clears throat> stuff, but a lot of states throughout the U.S. Uh, the West and the East is a little different. Illinois mm-hmm. was bit would and maybe Ohio would be some of the ones I would think of are a little bit different. It's more North and South are the difference. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of the states are that way. Illinois is a long North and South state. It is, know. man. You used to like Eric, what's <coughs> Illinois like three hours wide and six hours long or something like that? When you talk about driving full speeds? It's yeah. crazy. So for Jenny, it's like seven and four for sure. <laughs> Depends on if you have to stop and let the transmission cool down or not. <laughs> uh, no, we. I, I would think um, that's kind of how you look at, at that state, and, and like you're saying, a lot of states probably. And then once you decide which which you're going to, I think you're generally going to hunt in a, in a pretty similar way, um, <clears throat> because I think that you're going to have. Uh, I think. I would think in October, you're going to be probably a little more corn-based than bean-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, alfalfa would be a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I would look at uh, corn and alfalfa as being kind of my main food sources. And I'd probably still hunt a, an early season pattern uh, unless it was just the very, very last of October. I might get into some rut scenarios, but I would probably base that off of what I'm seeing on those ag fields before I go jump into like a pinch point or something like that mm-hmm. way off of, of an ag field. So I would try to pattern deer still like early season um and you know take some clothes because it's probably gonna you got a chance of hitting a cold front that also could potentially kind of kickstart the rut a little Mm -hmm. bit so uh but there is a thing where like in south dakota a couple years ago you grunted in a deer on october 4th um you know a buck that that inquisitive kind of uh maybe just low lower density deer herd wants that buck wants to know like is there actually a uh, a rut fest going on over also here. Also low pressure. Yeah. yeah. yeah like, dude, <clears throat> you grunt at a deer in East Texas, there's a good <laughs> chance it runs away. Yeah. Uh, up there, county. that deer may have not ever, like, experienced hunting pressure. Yeah. So he's like, why is there a deer grunting over there? And it mm-hmm. might not be that you fooled him, but you did something good enough to get mm-hmm. a shot, you know? Uh, so there's that. How much attention are you going to pay to to buck sign up there? Um... Like rubs and stuff, yeah. you're saying? Um, I I don't know, man. If it was a big, big scrape, I would probably mm-hmm. I would probably hang a camera if I could. I don't know what the laws are. I have to look those up. Uh, but uh, if I could hang a camera up there, I probably would. Another thing to think about is North Dakota may not get the leasing pressure. So mm-hmm. if you could lease some property up there, man, that would probably – or just get permission because I know there's, there's that chance up there too mm-hmm. uh, in that rural country. But – uh, that could really help you because most of the ag is going to be on private. Um, and so that would really help you get to deer that are, like you said, unpressured. And I mean, dude, they say don't do it, but I mean, 
on private in North Dakota, killing a deer on a field edge would be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Come on out. Walk yeah. down Walk the edge of this by. field. <laughs> like, just like TV in the 90s, you That's know? That's it, man. I mean, it so, would be cool. some things to think about. I'm probably yeah. not paying a ton of attention to the buck sign unless it's a big scrape or a scrape that sets up in a place that I really like. Mm-hmm. Like, say, uh, 300 yards off of a field edge on some public coming out of, like, a deep draw or something like mm-hmm. that. All right. <clears throat> the next one. I suppose this that's is probably you. me this because is this is my scenario potentially for the year. <clears throat> um, rut in Iowa. I'm just going to tell you all my plan mm. uh, because I'm I'm doing this right now. Uh, I don't know if I've drawn the tag yet or not, just to be clear. Did you plan for it? I did. Good. Um, so I am going to do my best to be hunting private land mm-hmm. in Iowa. And here's why. Uh, it already costs you a bunch to just get in that game, and you have a lot of years in it. And there is, in my opinion, not a better state to hunt the biggest deer of your life in. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He don't live on public land. He lives on private land, mm-hmm. and he lives and operates on private land. So if you want to go to Iowa and kill a really big deer, private land is the way to do it. So I'm going to do my best. Pretty much to- everywhere. Pretty much everywhere, yeah. <laughs> now, there, there's some states for sure, and we've killed some big deer on public, but, like, you know, hunting private's a, a great thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you get a chance uh, to do it, Iowa's the place, right? <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'm going to try to be hunting some private ground. And are I'm you going to – how much attention are you going to pay to buck sign? Same uh, question. Not a lot. Some, uh, and hopefully this is more of a <clears> – <throat> A process <clears throat> instead of like a trip. I would like to go hang cameras on some private ground that I'll have permission on, and kind of do the thing. Uh, if if you know what that means, like um, have a good i keeping tabs on the property and have a good idea what bucks live there. I'm gonna hunt this thing in the rut. So if you if you were the guy who wanted to hunt pub, like go hunt public in Iowa, you would potentially try to hunt the shoulders of the rut to avoid the big pressure mm-hmm. uh because i mean i shot my deer on the 21st 21st and he was a rut rager he was he's a rut rager. motorcycle man yeah. and <clears throat> and uh because in the you did that that year we hunted some private yep. uh but we were hunting public too while we were there mm-hmm. there was a lake that we hunted that we saw one tiny buck on I'm yeah. public. Yeah. <laughs> we That's saw so big funny. deer on private. We only walked, you know, through every uh, every single cuckabara that oh, <laughs> in the whole ruined some jackets. region. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. Uh, I need uh, to go watch that hunt. That was fun. That was fun, man. It was a fun right there for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. But if you were going to go hunt uh, public ground, you might think about hunting like October 25th through November 2nd or coming back. November 8th through the 15th or something like that uh, because that public ground gets a ton of pressure during the the highest peaks of the rut. However, I'm going to hunt private. Hopefully, I'm not crossing off public by any means, but and I'm going to run cameras and I'm going to hunt pinch points and places where bucks will cruise by and potentially food sources if that is the thing. If you see a big old scrape, are you going to set up a camera over it? Oh, yeah. Are you going to hunt it? Uh, it depends on what the camera's saying. So you're going to for sure see what the camera says first. No, yeah. uh, it depends on how I feel about other stuff. Yeah. You know, like I, I'll hunt that scrape, but if I n- know that the deer pour into the backside of this field every night, I'm just going to go hunt there. 
as opposed to like yes, hoping they come to the scrape. Yes, sir. You know, like you go with the the smartest, most common sense thing. If you've to ever do. watched Midwest Whitetail, they do kill them on field edges. That's right. <laughs> Bill Winky will sit there in his redneck and shoot a giant, and most that's what he massive. does. You know, most um, massive. All right, Tyler. Yeah, Rutney's Texas. Mm. We're both going to be doing that this year. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, and the Rutney's Texas is kind of a misnomer because. Um, <laughs> Uh, we had a, a, a fawn in my parents' yard that uh, if you backdate, assuming that fawn was at least a week old and it looked to be at least that old, if you backdate it, that doe got bred October 15th-ish. And then uh, Greg and Eric both shot deer in December this year on Texas Public that were doing ruddy-type stuff. Yeah, Eric's deer was shredding uh, the old cedar pine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The cedar pine shredding, as they say. <laughs> so, um, and we have pictures of the, one of the biggest deer we've ever seen in East Texas with his nose buried up in a doe's honey on February 3rd or something like that. 22nd. 22nd of February? I need to go check that. Those but I'm antlers sure. are about to fall off. I'm telling you, dude. It's wild, man. So, what we're trying to say is like. Also, on the same day that Eric killed, didn't you have a rut raging fest come through? Or was that a different day? That was a different day. That's two, three days before. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess technically in November, but last day pretty much. Yeah, Michael uh, had a little rut rage uh, down where he was that day. With a spike? Yeah. He was cruising. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was cruising. Uh, that was he not was. charging, by he the way. He was cruising, um, man. No, it didn't matter that much because it's almost we're almost done. But uh, we... Uh, what we're trying to say is that East Texas has a very uh, drawn-out rut. Yep. So hunting very, like, ruddy stuff is kind of tough sometimes. However, it's always good to be in a pinch point, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't just say, this is a pinch point, and I'm just going to hunt it without question because you might not see anything. Yeah. It's not like a place where you go out west or you go to the the heartland and – all of a sudden, it's like, I want to hunt this pinch point because there's going to be seven deer go by here today. You know, yeah. it's just different than that. I think you you kind of go back to what you were talking about as one of your favorite limited resources earlier, and that's does. Mm-hmm. And so hunting in areas that does frequent a lot. And that's mm-hmm. where uh, that's where Eric killed. That's where uh, me and Spike were when I filmed him. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where, uh, well, Greg was in a pretty pretty much a pinch point yeah. in between. And it worked, nobody. but we had, we yep. had data that... Made him feel pretty good about that yeah, too, for sure. Uh, so uh, that helps. you were you when you had that rut raging thing happen, that was also a doe, very doe heavy area back in there, and a pinch point. So yeah. one of the things you can do in a place with lower deer densities or higher pressure is put as many odds in your favor as you possibly can. Yeah, you know that place in general has a lot of deer, has really low hunting pressure. Well, we talk has about does, that a lot. Pinch points, creek crossings. Yeah, yada yada yada. yada. The, I mean, that's the that's the idea. Is like the more uh, favorable things that you have uh like different ideas that you have in a particular spot the more confidence you're going to have going Mm -hmm. into that spot the more confidence you have the more you pay attention as you mentioned before in Mm -hmm. other podcasts and the more you pay attention the more you see a deer coming or a deer that you can call to before he gets out of sight and then you call to him and you kill the deer and it's just it makes success you know Mm -hmm. so try to put as many things in, in your favor as possible you don't want to just hunt a pinch point you want to hunt a pinch point because uh, there's an ag field south of you and there's doe bedding to the north and you have a southeast wind and you can barely get away with it. The deer think they're bulletproof coming down 
into that ag mm-hmm. field. There's there's got to be like multiple reasons that you want to hunt this place. And in, and I, and sometimes I do the best I can. And I still don't have very many reasons, and I don't have a lot of confidence. And that's just the way it is when you only have limited public ground when you go out of state to to in your area to get on. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, as far as hunting the rut in East Texas. Uh, my main thing probably is just being where the does are at in most scenarios and hoping that things break loose and they come flying by you and stop for a second. Bow in hand a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if don't put it on a hanger that's hard to get it off of because mm-hmm. things happen quick. Now, uh, if you're going to hunt late season in, in Texas, I know you've killed the old meat buck we talked about earlier in late season. What would you be thinking? Uh, food sources. It would be one of my number ones, uh, especially in the evenings. You know, so you think about bed to feed, kind of like you do early season, but different because there's less cover in the woods, and the deer are sometimes more pressured by the time the late season rolls around. So um, I like hunting something that's near bedding uh, in the mornings because the deer are going to leave those food sources and come bed. Of course, this mm-hmm. is kind of. Uh, you know, pretty common knowledge, but it's it's also still something to, to consider. Um, that's how I killed that meat buck. He'd been eating, and he I watched him bed, and then he came back out again. I grunted at him, and I was doing everything I could to kill that deer. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you kind of turn that around on his head, and in the evenings, I'm going to get pretty close, close to that bedding, hoping that those deer get on their feet before shooting lights over. But still, like I was talking about earlier, the rut extends a lot, uh, Ain't ever a bad time to be in a pinch point in East Texas. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if it's yep. December 28th and it's a pretty good, cool day, I mean, there's a good, decent chance you have a buck cruise by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, a good chance one doesn't come by, too. So, uh, yeah, uh, you know, manage expectations. That's exactly right. <laughs> For yeah. sure, man. Tyler, so, I'm glad you put this on the list. Good. Late season in Michigan. Uh, don't go. For sure. No. Uh, If you have a chance to hunt, I'd bundle up and go do it, man. But, um, you know, I think um, you and I got to have been, you know, blessed with the opportunity to hang out with old Mark Kenyon a few times Mm -hmm. the last uh, year or so. Uh, He's from Michigan, and he kind of gives us some ideas of what it's like up there. And I think that if I was to go late season season in Michigan, didn't have a place to hunt, so I was going to be on public, I would assume – my expectations would be that there would be not many bucks left on mm. the public land. Um, so I would be very particular and I would not go hunting unless I had this, probably this scenario or something that made me feel confident. But this is a particular scenario where, uh, say you have a piece of, uh, public that spans between two private places that have, they have to have cover and I think at least one of them needs to have uh, a late season food source of some sort. So an ag, ag food source that hasn't been chewed up too bad. So maybe beans or uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe some sort of green or something like that that, you know, is the only food in the area. But you want to make sure, or if there's corn, you know, that's been left standing or something for some reason. Say it's a managed place or whatever. But Anywhere up north, I think this scenario, but especially in Michigan where there's high-pressure hunters, you're going to need cover that the deer can escape to onto private uh, from the public that's getting pressured really hard and that they can live on that cover during the year and that they also would have a reason to come across that public again to get to, and I would hunt very close to that private boundary for sure. So kind of my thoughts, you know, any anywhere up north, I think you're going to want to, 
if you do have like say you have private uh i would i would definitely hunt uh between bedding it's just like very much like early season between bedding and that late season food source and i would hunt cold fronts um because not because i want to because it's gonna be freezing cold right <laughs> but because that's gonna f- probably force uh some of the bigger bucks out of their bed and i think from what i understand it can be a very successful time of year but i kind of want to reiterate your point that not in michigan maybe but in other states south of there say um you still stand a chance of finding a buck that's checking scrapes or checking does in the, in late december and i've seen it i've killed a deer that way before they don't drop those antlers till february march yeah so like that just because the does aren't in doesn't mean those bucks aren't thinking about it i mean you watch even you watch bill winky when he's got a field of does and it's december 18th uh that buck comes out and he's usually kind of looking at him thinking about him or smelling him Mm -hmm. and you're going to eat some while he's there too yeah but he's uh he's going to mess with him a little bit yeah so that kind of wraps up. We 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 could do scenarios all day, and I could talk about this stuff all day. But it kind of wraps up our uh, ideas on how to find new places to hunt, how to scout them, how to hunt them, and what you might do in some scenarios. If you have any questions um, or want us to address something, one thing you can do is you can actually send us a video, sixty seconds or less, preferably fifteen seconds or so, mm-hmm. uh, a selfie style video on your phone. Email it to the element wild at gmail.com um, and or just email it to us in one way or another. Get it to us in email. And we are going to do some videos with some Q&A. We're going to answer y'all's questions. We're going to put your face on the video, so it'll be pretty cool. Um, you can do that. Make sure that uh, if you haven't watched all five Buck Truck episodes that are out so far, you go do that on the Meat Eater YouTube channel or on the website, TheMeatEater.com. Um, the la- last one was Oklahoma, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, you had a you shot a great buck there. Thanks, man. Um, and you know this is uh this is your classic kind of uh, funnily uh, rut hunt, you know. And so mm-hmm. some of the things that we um, have figured out <laughs> so and we talked we about did. today <laughs> that uh, you used on that trip. So yep. anyway, uh, appreciate you guys watching. If you're watching through YouTube, if you're uh, listening, appreciate you listening. And remember, this is your element. Living it. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels. It can also generate income in both the near and long term, like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations. Check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made, innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. 
Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business.